I want to start off today asking all of us to think about when you were a kid. Now, I know for some of us, it's a little further back than others, right? So, so no pointing fingers, no jabbing elbows, be kind today. And notice I did not say, think of when you acted like a kid. For some of us, that was yesterday or maybe a few hours ago. Can I get a witness up in here for that, right? Think back to when you were a kid, 8, 9, 10 years old. What did you want to be when you grew up? What did you dream of being? It's in that dream of who we wanted to be that I think we'll discover a truth today or some truths about who we are really meant to be. If you're new here, my name is Jeff Manis. I am the lead pastor. And uh, for everyone who's here today, including anyone who's joining us on video or in one of our video services, I'm so glad uh, that you have chosen to be with us. As a reminder uh, for all of us today, if you ever find yourself in one of our video services, I just want to remind you that in that service, if you're in a video service, you are actually opening up seats in other services for us to continue reaching people for Jesus. You are a part of the mission just by being in a video service, if you ever find yourself in one of those, one of these uh, days. We're, we're finishing a sermon series today, the last Sunday of a series called My Declaration, A Challenge for Men to Rise Up. The whole series has been based on or born from a, a book that I wrote. It will continue to be available online uh, on Amazon, on my website, and in the Element Store as well. So that means next week a new series is starting, our Christmas series. Can you believe it? Christmas is here already. Already, uh, we're starting our new Christmas series next week called Given. So in this Christmas season and in this Christmas series, we are not going to ask what do we want for Christmas. We're going to ask what have we already been given. And it's the answer to that question, what we've been given in Jesus, we will find, is actually all we ever Need. So that starts next Sunday and will continue through our Christmas Eve services that we'll tell you about here in the coming weeks. Don't forget also in that series on Sunday, December 9th, we'll be receiving our annual year-end iHeart Wyoming offering uh, that goes towards that initiative to elevate, expand, and reinforce the credibility of God's church across all 23 counties by coming alongside churches, resourcing them financially so they can serve their communities in tangible ways. In 2018, through your generosity, we partnered with 16 different churches across denominational lines, giving away $94,000 to help them make a lasting impact. If you want to know more about uh, iHeart Wyoming or what some of the churches have been doing, which is remarkable, by the way, to see what God's been doing. You can go to those websites on the screen there, iheartwyoming.com, or go to Facebook and, and just search iHeartWyoming Initiative, and you'll find out information there as well. As I've been reminding you, this offering is above and beyond our regular giving, and uh, we don't have a financial goal this year. We do have a, a, a participation goal, though, and the goal is 100% participation of everyone who calls Element Church home. All right, And here's where it starts. Would you just pray, God, what do you want to give through me? And then whatever God leads you to, to do, then be obedient to that. No one person can do everything, but we can all do something. If we all do something, we'll end up accomplishing everything. And so I hope that we'll all do a small part. Uh, giving's already open, by the way, online, and will be open through the end of 
that you can give all the way up through December 31st. So if you want to go to the giving page or the Push Pay mobile app, just select iHeart Wyoming. If you're giving in cash or check, make sure and put it on your envelope or your check, iHeart Wyoming. And then there are some people every year who give in non-traditional ways. So precious metals, stocks and bonds, property, real estate, etc. If you want to give in that way, contact the church. Our finance team will get with you uh, to figure that out for you. Now, I gave you plenty of time to think about something, right? So do you remember what you wanted to be? Let me, let me do this. Raise your hand if you remember what you wanted to be when you were a kid. When you were a kid. So several of us, you still remember what you wanted to be when you grew up. I'm not going to ask you if that actually came true or not. But in a recent study, the reason I ask you that is, in a recent study done by a group called Fatherly, it revealed that regardless of gender, the number one profession that kids today, 18 and under, dream of being, any guesses? A professional athlete. Number one dream, regardless of gender, kids under 18. Now, if you think about it, is it really a surprise that kids under 18 want to be that in their life? In today's culture, it's the professional athletes that have the most fame, the most fortune, the most followers on social media, which is a big, big deal in today's culture. Like, who wouldn't want that, right? Even as adults, we find ourselves falling into the same mentality we had as children, this if-then mentality. That if I only had what they had, or did what they did, or got to go where they go, then I'd be satisfied. Then I'd be fulfilled. Then I would have it all. One of the greatest athletes of all time actually spoke about this in an interview on 60 Minutes several years ago. As much as it pains me to say it, this greatest athlete, Tom Brady, okay? So I don't know if God can actually bless our service today because we're using Tom Brady as an illustration. However, he is, as much as I don't like it, one of the most successful, wealthiest, famous people to ever play any sport in the history of mankind. And after experiencing everything that he has experienced, he still felt like there was something missing, okay? So this was several years ago before he was married to Giselle, is that her name? Um, before he's even married. But here's a, a portion of a 60 Minutes interview from Tom Brady. Go ahead and check out this video. I know, I wish I knew, 
There's got to be more than this. I love the follow-up question, by the way, as well. He said, what's the answer? Now, I'm not picking on Tom Brady. Believe me, I do that enough if you're around here, right? I do that enough. I actually think Brady gave the answer that every human being gives at some point in our lives. I wish I knew. I wish I knew what else there was that would satisfy that longing. Every one of us have dreams, right? We, we have goals. We have a list of things that we want to accomplish, possessions we want to accumulate, places we want to go. And listen, there's nothing wrong with any of that. I have similar lists myself. The problem is when we get it, it still does not fill the emptiness. It still does not satisfy our hearts. So many times, and I'm going to generalize, especially as men, we, we try and live for something else in life. We pursue pleasure. We chase pride. We accumulate possessions. We crave power. We, we try to accomplish bigger and better and bolder things, all in the search of easing the burning in our hearts for something more. The problem is nothing in this life will satisfy Nothing. That leads to our big idea for today. It's on the screens if you want to write it down or take a picture of it, you can. It's only in living for something beyond this life that I'll have anything worth living for in this life. Isn't that challenging? It's only in living for something beyond this life that I'll have anything worth living for in this life. Or the way I say it in the book is, in order for us to be satisfied, we need to rise up and live for eternity. When I say live for eternity, I'm not just talking about living eternally, not just eternal life. I'm talking about living with eternity in mind. Living with purpose in every step. As if what I do today and tomorrow matters for eternity. In the Bible, there was a man named Paul who I think understood this concept perfectly. Many of us in the church immediately know his name. We call him the Apostle Paul, but he wasn't always an apostle. At best, Paul began as a skeptic of Christians and Christianity. So some of you today might actually relate to that in Paul's life. You might be here and you don't get that whole Jesus thing. That there's this God out there who created a heaven and only those who believe in and follow Jesus can get to heaven. You just don't get that. You're skeptical of it. If that's you... I, 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 it's okay. I'm thrilled that you are here today. No other place I'd rather you be than right here, even if you are a skeptic or if you're even downright opposed to Christianity. But the problem with Paul is he took it to another level, right? Like Paul took his skepticism, it turned to hatred, then hatred turned to murder. Paul hated Jesus and the followers of Jesus so much, he began to uh, arrest them, torture them, put them in prison, even killed them for their faith in him. He went from city to city trying to wipe out Christianity from the planet. Then one day, on the way to another city to do the same exact thing, Jesus appeared to Paul. He told Paul, I'm choosing you to be God's appointed messenger of sharing my good news around the known world. And, and Paul then put his faith in Christ and went from murderer of Christians to perhaps the greatest missionary this world has ever known. He started 
of 14 churches that we know of. He wrote 13 of the 27 letters included in the New Testament portion of the Bible. Many of those letters were written from prison where he would eventually die for his faith in Christ. It was that Paul who I believe understood this idea about purpose more than anyone. So look at what Paul says about his purpose in one of those letters he wrote. 1 Corinthians 9, 24 through 26 says this. Don't you realize that in a race, everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize. So run to what? To win. By the way, Bible proof that being competitive is a godly characteristic. Can I get an amen from the competitive people in the room? Thank you very much. Just all the proof I need. Then Paul says this, all athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away, but we do it for an eternal prize. So I run with purpose. Everyone say purpose. I run with purpose in every step. Is that how I define my life? Do I run with purpose in every step? Am I like Paul, living for eternity? Like every moment matters and every second counts in this life? It's only in living for something beyond this life that I'll have anything worth living for in this life. So I think the question we have to ask is this, how do I live beyond this life? How do I live beyond this life? If you got your Bibles, turn to Acts chapter 20. Verses 18 through 24, it's the fifth book in the New Testament portion of the Bible. If you didn't bring a Bible with you, you can follow along on the screens. And if you don't own one, we'll give you one for free. Ask for a Bible at Gift Services. We want you to have one. We want you to read it because we believe it will impact your life. So we'll give you a Bible for free. Here in Acts 20, we actually see Paul closer to the end of his life and faith than the beginning. He's about to have a conversation with some close friends of his which would be the beginning of a journey that would take him to Jerusalem where he would be arrested, then to a town called Caesarea on the coast of the Mediterranean Sea where he'd be put on trial for his faith. Then he'd be transferred to Rome where he'd eventually die in prison for his faith. That's where the beginning part of that journey is right here in this conversation. Acts 20 verses 18 through 21 says this. When they, that's Paul's friends, arrived, he declared, you know that from the day I set foot in the province of Asia until now, I have done the Lord's work humbly and with many tears. I have endured the trials that came to me from the plots of the Jews. I never shrank back from telling you what you needed to hear, either publicly or in your homes. And then he says this, I have had one message for Jews and Greeks alike. The necessity of repenting from sin and turning to God and of having faith in our Lord Jesus. It's only in living for something beyond this life that I'll have anything worth living for in this life. So how do I live beyond this life? The first thing I see in Paul's life that I think we need as well, number one, is this. I need to have the heart of God. I need to have the heart of God. Now, there's a lot of ramifications with that statement, so, and all of them could be true, but this is what I'm, I'm focusing on. This is more 
than just having our hearts made right by faith in God. Yes, we need that, and it's important. But after my heart has been made right by faith in God, I should now be on mission with God to see more people turn to him, put their faith in him for the forgiveness of their sins, repenting of their sins to God. Paul said to his friends, I've had one message. The necessity for everyone to repent of their sins, turn to God, and have faith in the Lord Jesus. That was Saul's sole purpose for his life. Everything else was secondary. Paul's heart was focused on those who do not yet know God because Paul knew that's where God's heart was focused as well. Paul was consumed with seeing people far from God put their faith in God through Jesus. Now, maybe Paul was so focused on that, maybe he had so much of a heart, the heart of God, because Paul was once so far from God himself, so now he understands what it means to be brought to God, and don't we often forget what it feels like to be far from God? I don't think Paul ever forgot that, so maybe that was it. And when I say that Paul was consumed with this, I'm not sure our little brains can fully fathom how consumed Paul was with this. There are a couple verses in the book of Romans that Paul wrote that I still wrestle with and don't quite fully understand. The Apostle Paul, while writing to these Christians in Rome, said this, Romans 9, 2, and 3. My heart is filled with bitter sorrow and unending grief for my people, my Jewish brothers and sisters. I would be willing, let this sink in, to be forever cursed, cut off from Christ, if that would save them. Like, what? Do you know what Paul's saying? He's saying, I would rather go to hell if it meant my Jewish brothers and sisters would be saved. That's another level of commitment, church. Like if I'm asking for volunteers today for that, ain't none of us raising our hands. Me included, right? I'm not there. I'm I'm not there. Like if I had a fraction of the heart for lost people that Paul had, I would be praying more than ever, preaching harder than ever, more determined than ever to see as many people possible come to know Jesus, repent of their sins, turn to God, and have their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's only in living for something beyond this life. And listen, that's beyond this life that I have anything worth living for in this life. So how do I live beyond this life? Well, like Paul, I need to have the heart of God, that every interaction with every person in my life has the potential of helping turn them to Jesus. That's how Paul lived. He had one message for everyone, faith in the Lord Jesus. The second thing I need to do is this. I need to hear the voice of God. It's one thing to have the heart of God, but I also need to hear the voice of God. You see, not only was Paul consumed by the heart of God, he also heard and obeyed the voice of God 
even when God's voice led him to do something he wouldn't have chosen for himself. That's the difference. So Paul tells his friends, hey, I've had one message. My life has been consumed with seeing people put their faith in Jesus. And then he says this, verses 22 and 23, and now. I am bound by the Spirit to go to Jerusalem. I don't know what awaits me except that the Holy Spirit tells me in city after city that jail and suffering lie ahead. Paul Paul said, the Holy Spirit told me. And here's what's ironic to me. I'm going to pick on us American Christians for a second. In our American Christianity... Western Christianity, when someone says, the Holy Spirit told me, it is hardly ever followed by jail and suffering lie ahead. Like typically when a Christian in America says, I've heard from God, it is always for the abundance, favor, blessing, and provision of God. It's for something that makes my life better. My life more convenient. My life more comfortable. God told me. Side note here. I'm going to follow rabbit trail for a second. Sometimes we even claim we have heard God say things about our life that are contrary to the word he's already put in our life. The Bible. So this is for all of us, by the way. Okay, this is huge. God will never... Confirm in my life what is already contrary in his word. He will never confirm in my life what is contrary in his word. If you've heard God say something contrary to his word, you're not hearing God. (laughs) You might hear something, but it's not the Holy Spirit. It's another spirit. Following me? So, so back, back to the main point here. I think sometimes we wrongly assume that God's voice will always be for something good in my life, my definition of good. Uh, abundance, blessing, comfort, convenience. So, so then, if his voice doesn't fall into my definition of good, well, it must not be from God. Because it's not good for me. If that's the case then Jesus must not have been in God's will when he suffered and his teaching for us must have been false. Because in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 8, just after, in the same conversation where Jesus predicted his own suffering and death, where he would physically carry a cross on our behalf, paying the price for our sins, he called all of his followers to carry their own cross too. Mark 8, 34 through 37 says this, Then calling the crowd to join his disciples, he said, If any of you wants to be my follower, you must. Not you should, not try really hard. You must give up your own way. Take up your cross and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you'll lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake and for the sake of the good news, you'll save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? Is anything worth more 
and your soul. Could camp out there for a while. Although I hate camping. (laughs) So I'll move on. Paul had given up his own way. It was no longer about what he wanted or desired. It was about what God wanted and desired. It was not about where Paul wanted to go. It's about where God needed him to go on his behalf. He did not hang on to his own life. He gave it up for the Lord and for those the Lord loves. Paul put no caveats on his commitment to follow Jesus. We're great at caveats. God, I'll I'll do whatever you want me to do. I'll go wherever you want me to go. I'll sacrifice whatever you want me to sacrifice. I'll give up whatever, God, you want me to give up. Except that. Right? God would not ask me to give up that, would he? God wouldn't ask me to do that, would he? He wouldn't ask me to go there. Some of you are wondering why God sent you to Cheyenne, right? Paul was willing to do whatever was asked of him to glorify Jesus with his life and to reach more people in this life, even if that meant jail and suffering lie ahead. Am I on board with that? Paul saw the prison cell as an opportunity to fulfill his purpose in Christ. He viewed his suffering as a chance to save more people for Jesus. How do I view my problems? How do I view my suffering? It's challenging. I've been challenged by this in my own life. It's only in living for something beyond this life that we have anything worth living for in this life. So how do I live beyond this life? Well, I I need to have the heart of God. I need to hear and obey the voice of God. Then number three, I need my hope to be anchored in God. I need my hope to be anchored in God. Acts 20, verse 24, Paul concludes this little conversation, says this, But my life is worth nothing to me. I've had one message, salvation for people, and now God's calling me to prison and suffering, but... My life's worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned me by the Lord Jesus, the work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. That Paul's hope was firmly rooted, not in what would happen to him, but in who was working with him. He was working with the Lord. He was speaking Mark 8 in this moment. He was telling his friends, listen guys, unless I have the heart of God, unless I hear and obey the voice of God, unless I have a hope firmly anchored in God, my life is worth nothing. Or in other words, hey friends, what good is it if I gain the whole world but lose my soul? So I will use my life for the glory of my God. Paul lived beyond this life. Do I? Do you? 
It's only in living for something beyond this life that I'll really have anything worth living for in this life. So how do I do that? Well, I need to have the heart of God. I need to hear and obey the voice of God. And I need to have my hope anchored in God. And listen, that last one is so important. Because when I get the heart of God, he will want to put me in places that reach more people. So I'm going to hear God and go where he wants me to go, but there are times he will call me to go places where I will go through suffering and difficulty. And if my hope's not anchored in God, I will crumble under the pressure. So my hope needs to be anchored in God. Church, I believe it's time to rise up. That's what this whole series has been about. On your way out today at the doors, I believe we're going to have some, uh, some documents, if you will, a manifesto of sorts called My Declaration. Uh, the ones available at the doors we are calling gender and relationship inclusive, meaning no matter your gender or your relationship status, this declaration will apply to you. On my website, I actually offer um, very specific declarations for both males and females, single and married, with kids and without. So everyone's included on there. I think there's nine different declaration manifestos on my website. You can download it and uh, print it off. I'm actually, uh, my wife and I both printed ours off. We framed them. It's a place to sign it and date it. We're going to display it in our home somewhere just saying, this is my declaration. It's what I want to do with my life. So I'd encourage you, even if you don't want to display one or don't want to sign it or whatever, just take one today. There's plenty. And uh, use it as a reminder this week of what God's calling us to. I do want to read a portion of it to you. Okay, I'm going to read the whole thing. But here, I just want to read this to you, and this is all from the book and from the series we've been in. Here's my declaration, okay? Something was started within us when we were born. Something was placed there by God himself that lies dormant and ready to rise. So no more will we sit idly by while the devil wreaks havoc in our lives. No more will we let down our guard and bask in the comfort of just good enough. For us, it's time to rise up. I will rise up to finish what God started in me. I will hear what God says about me, do what he tells me to do, and give credit where credit is due. I will rise up and live out a bold faith by knowing who I'm standing in, when I'll stand firm, and why I'm standing strong. I will rise up and use the aggression God gave me toward the purity he expects from me. I will realize what I'm after most, seeking to please Jesus instead of bringing pleasure to myself. I will rise up and take responsibility for the authority God has given me. I will acknowledge where I am, admit who I am, and accept all the blame for what I've done. I will rise up and honor God financially with every resource he has given me. I will rise up and lead courageously, no matter the cost. I will risk my reputation, run with resolution, and rest in the reliability of God. I will rise up and live for eternity. That's today's. Knowing that every moment matters and every second counts. I will seek to have the heart of God, hear and obey the voice of God, and anchor my faith in the hope of God. And I will rise up to leave a lasting legacy with my life. From this day forward, my name is Jeff, child of God, 
and I will be a valiant warrior for Christ. This is my declaration. And I'm asking you to make it yours too. So on your way out, grab one of these papers. Please, please take them. Otherwise, we have to recycle them. So I'd rather you take them and use them. I've been challenged by this myself. I want to live out that declaration in my own life. And listen, that is what Jesus lived out for us. He lived it and calls us to it. But unless you know Jesus as your Savior, you can't live this out. (laughs) You have to have his Holy Spirit's power in you to to live it. So maybe you're here today, and like Paul, you, you you are far from God. You've not put your faith in Christ. But if if God can save Paul, the murderer, then he can save all of us. Amen? Save all of us. So if you're here today and you've not put your faith in Christ, I'd love to lead you in a prayer to do that if that's what you want to do. So if you just join me in this prayer, just pray it silently in your heart to God. Just repeat after me in your heart. Father in heaven, I thank you that you love people like Paul and you love people like me. That even though I've sinned against you, you sent Jesus to die in my place. So Jesus, I put my faith in you. I believe you are God in the flesh. You died in my place. You rose from the dead, and I believe in you. Forgive me of my sins. Wash me clean and make me new. Come into my heart. Help me to turn from my life of sin and follow you By your power in my new life, thanks for loving me, Jesus. I'll do my best to love you back. It's in your name, Jesus, I pray. Amen. If you're here today, we often provide opportunities to put faith in Jesus for those who don't. And every week's different. Some services, there's multiple. Some services, there's nobody that responds. But we always give the opportunity. So if you're here in this service and you just prayed to put your faith in Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins, we'd love to know about it. You're safe and among family. So if you prayed that prayer, would you just acknowledge it by lifting your hand up and saying, yep, that's me. I just asked Jesus into my heart. Anybody say that today? Leave it up if you're going to put it up so I can see you. All right. Don't see any hands. Okay. Listen, if if you want to talk to somebody, I'm just going to go by averages that not everybody here is a Christian. So if you're not, that's okay. That, that decision's yours. And I don't want to rush you into it. But if you want to talk about it, about faith in Jesus, find me in the lobby, find one of our pastors, a prayer team member in the back, and we'd love to, to talk with you at least about what it means to put your faith in Christ. Be praying for our other three services as well, that if God brings people that don't know him, that they would respond to faith in him. Let me pray for you guys. And then just remain still, a few closing remarks, we'll get you on your way. Lord, thanks so much for being our God. Lord, I thank you for the story of Paul and others like him who were just consumed with your purpose of reaching people. They were willing to go wherever you called them to go, and their hope was firmly anchored and rooted in you. Lord, help us. Help us to do the same thing. Have your heart, hear your voice and have our hope anchored in you. Lord, thanks for for loving us, for saving us, for choosing us. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen.
If you are new here today, please stop by the living room on your way out. Got some people there that would love to see you and meet you. If you need prayer for anything going on in your life, we have a great prayer team all the way in the back of the room behind the sound booth there. Uh, They'd love to pray for anything going on. And then next Sunday, please uh, be watching social media. Invite some people to come to our Christmas sermon series. Super excited about that. Believe God's going to do some great things. Be safe today. Love you guys. Have an awesome week. You're dismissed.